God is good. Amen. Let's turn. Let's turn in our Bibles uh, to 1 Timothy. Uh, 1 Timothy. We're going to be reading from chapter 6. First uh, Timothy. You know, as you, if you're here this morning, you know that tonight we're going to be speaking about a very taboo subject in church. Uh, one that, you know, you can kind of lift eyebrows. Um, and that is, of course, Money. Yes, exactly. Money. Uh, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but yes, money we're talking about tonight. Uh, we'll be looking at that. And uh, as we understand money, you know, it has a kind of a connotation behind it. Uh, there is a certain feeling or a certain thought pattern when it comes to money. Uh, so I want to preach a sermon I've entitled Money, Master or Mastered. Um, out of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, there was a... Uh, a notorious bank robber, uh, his name was Willie Sutton in the early 1900s, uh, he robbed more than 20 banks, or he robbed 20 times, I don't know if it was the same bank he did it, he hit it twice, uh, a few times, uh, but as he was asked, why did you rob all these banks, he simply said, well, that's where the money is, <laughs> right, because money sometimes would get you do some things uh, uh, that are out of the ordinary, Money will have you do some things uh, that you wouldn't necessarily normally do. And his thing was like, well, I robbed the banks because that's where the money is. Um, And there's things, again, it has that connotation. There's a a phrase I came up, I saw, it says, every time you lend money to a friend, you damage his memory. Um, (laughs) Because for some reason you ask for it back and all of a sudden they forgot that they uh, they borrowed £150. Oh, you gave me £150, I forgot about that. Another one, Donald Trump says, uh, whoever says money can't buy happiness don't know where to shop. Uh, (laughs) A lot of people have a lot of things to say about money, Um, but so does the Bible. The Bible has a lot to say about money also. All throughout the Bible, there's approximately 2,350 verses uh, dealing with money. That's more than faith and prayer combined. Uh, It's in the Bible, the Bible that we read. Uh, Jesus spoke, now I've not done the study myself, I might do it one day, but Jesus spoke more about money than he did heaven and hell. Um, what was Judas's role in Jesus' earthly ministry? He was the treasurer. So sometimes we think money is this thing, this, this, like, um, this evil kind of uh, source, and you, you speak about money, you have money, it's all to do with evil. Uh, well, I kind of want to discuss that today um, and look at a few things of the subject around money. Because uh, if, listen, the Bible speaks about money so much, Jesus spoke about money so much, there must be something to this. And we as the believers, as the body of Christ, we need to understand money, understand how to handle it, and understand our relationship to it. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse number 6 uh, uh, to 10, it says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse number 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We know that the last verse there, verse number 10 of our text, is very, very uh, widely misquoted. 
to when people say uh, money is the root of all evil. But we've just read it. It's still on the screen. Or maybe it's the the slide before. It says uh, the love of money uh, is the root of all evil. So our scripture tonight uh, is not necessarily dealing with money. Our scripture tonight is dealing with the relationship of money. God bless you. Amen. All right. So many people. All right. God bless you. All right. (laughs) Just one little girl. Listen, she's cool. (laughs) Don't worry. She's a blessing. Amen. Pitch invasion. Amen. So our scripture tonight uh, is dealing with our relationship towards money. And in order to understand our relationship towards money, we first need to understand, well, what is money? And we know money is more than just metal and paper. We understand money is more than these uh, coins we have in our purse uh, or the things that we fold up uh, that's got people's faces on them. Uh, the queen's face right now. I don't know how long it's going to be until it has the king's face on it. But we understand money is more than that. Uh, the physical nature, we get it. Uh, we understand what it looks like, what it feels like. But to actually understand that it is a tool that simplifies trade. That's all it is. Money is a tool that simplifies trade. And we have elevated it to this this spiritual kind of element. No, all it is is a tool that simplifies trade. And when I say simplifies trade, we need to think back to biblical times even before that, uh, to when it came to uh, maybe the farmer who has milk and has uh, uh, beef and has uh, all the things that he needs in terms of food, but doesn't have wood to build his house. But then he goes across the street and there's a lumberjack who has all the wood that he needs, but doesn't have milk for his children. So he goes and says, listen, I've got wood, you've got milk, let's trade. That's how it was before money came in. And now money, all it does, it just makes it more flexible. In other words, I don't have to carry my cattle with me in order to do some trading. I just carry my wallet. Come on now. And even now in these days, you don't have to carry cash no more. You just carry some plastic thing. Or even further, I just have to carry my phone or my watch. I don't even have to carry my card no more. So money makes trading flexible. All it was ever uh, caused to do was to introduce that level of flexibility. That was all it was there. Listen, in Deuteronomy, God encourages this convenience when talking about the principle of tithing. You know, back then when it was tithing, you know, we understand tithing now of giving of our money. We understand that now. But back then, tithing was giving of your produce. So when you came to bring tithe, you're literally bringing like sacks of grain, livestock with you. You're bringing these things with you. So God encouraged this convenience when we're talking about, look at Deuteronomy 14 and verse number 24, because they had to travel to take their tithes into the house of God. And here, look what it says in verse number 24. It says, but if the journey is too long for you, so that you're not able to carry the tithe, or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, when the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money, and then take the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. You see, money then is just flexible. It makes it open to what you can do, how far you can travel. I've got my tithe no longer having to drive this big train of animals with me. I've just got it in my my sack. So that's all it was there to do. It was there to be an exchange for something, a a kind of title deed to say, I owe you this value of things if I give you this piece of paper with somebody's face on it. So instead of me giving you this pig for this uh, block of wood, I'm going to give you money and the money can then open up to anything I can afford. 
It now just opens up into no longer I'm just swapping one for one. I can use this to buy anything else I want. So we understand money is just a tool to simplify trade. So think about it. The value only comes from when everyone agrees that this piece of paper is going to be exchanged for goods and services. So value in money, or there is no intrinsic value in money itself. You take a £20 note, that £20 note in of itself has no value. The reason why it has value is because everybody here agrees that it's worth £20. Come on, let me, let, me, let me, simple illustration. Listen, you get dropped off in a desert island, like there's nothing around. And people say, listen, we can't rescue you right now, but what we're going to do, we're going to send you some aid. We're going to send a crate, it's going to come down, parachute. You're like, praise God, the aid comes down. You open the crate up, you see stacks and stacks of stacks of fresh 50 pound notes. What's that going to do to you right there in the, in the, in the jungle? Absolutely nothing. Because there's no value in this. Come on, you can't eat the 50 pound note. Come on, it makes sense, right? We can't, we can't, we can't. There's no sustenance in that. We can't drink the 50 pound note. So we need to understand, when we understand that it in itself has no inherent value, we need to start treating it like that. We Because we get so uh, stuck out of place. When we see a stack of cash, we start, our eyes start to Google. We start to do certain things. I saw a, a video clip of somebody uh, doing a prank or something like that. He had fake uh, 20 pound notes just dropped on the floor in a, in a massive crowd. There was pandemonium. People went crazy, trampling over people, just trying to get these pieces of paper with the queen's face on it. Because for some reason, we've elevated money to have this supernatural kind of value to which I would do anything to get it. Anything to get it. Now it becomes as if something is God. You know, that's why Jesus said, You can't serve two masters. We know this story. So number one, money has no inherent value, but also money has no morality. It's neither evil nor good. Money is neutral. It can be used to print Bibles. It can be used to build churches. It can be used to send out couples into the mission field to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's money. That same money can be used to bribe a judge to pervert justice. That same money can be used to buy crack cocaine. It can be used to fund terrorist acts. So now we see money in of itself hasn't got any morality. The people that use it have the morality. So now when we see the Bible says uh, it's not money that's the root of all of it. It's the love of money. It's how we have our relationship. Love is the problem. It's the love of money that has the root of all kinds of evil. And sometimes we overemphasize money. No, no, it's the love of money that brings out the problems, brings out the issues. I want to read Luke 16 and verse number 9 to you. I'm going to read out of the uh, NIV version. This is Jesus speaking. It says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus said, here's a tool. Use it. This is a tool you have in your society. Use it. Because we love God, we are called to love people and use money. But this society has flipped that around to where we love money and use people. And we have understood that we have put this thing on a pedestal. 
Now, money is the thing that we use. We love so much. Now we use people where instead we should have loved people and used money. Money is the tool. Look at Luke 16 and verse number 13. Again in the NIV, it says, No one can serve two masters. Either you would hate the one and love the other, or you would be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. One of them is meant to be loved, the other is meant to be used. And the thing is, if you get those things in the wrong way round, then your relationship to money is kinked and you need to be addre- it needs to be addressed in our life. I want to look at two things or two faces of money. The first is materialism, which I'm going to deal with second. The second is asceticism. Now, asceticism is when people feel in order to become spiritual, I must be broke. <laughs> Now, I don't know if you've noticed or not, (laughs) I don't agree with that at all. (laughs) Absolutely not. I can be close to God and have money in my pocket. Come on now. I can have a spiritual relationship with God and have finances in the bank. I can have investments. I can have a portfolio of houses and I can be very spiritual because I understand where that all comes from. I have a relationship with God. But asceticism says that money is evil and you have to be broke in order to be spiritual. I really do not agree with that at all. And it is biblically wrong also. Look at 3 John and verse number 1. Sorry, chapter 1, verse number 2. Bible says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. In other words, listen, it's not wrong if you are prosperous. It's not wrong if you have a, 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 a bit of a, 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 a something behind you. Listen, God is okay with that. Look at Deuteronomy 8 and verse number 18. I said that this morning. It says, it is he, this is God, it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. If that was a problem, he wouldn't give you the power to do that. He wouldn't give you the power to get wealth. It is okay to do that. Uh, if we continue looking at First Timothy verse number six and verse number uh, chapter six, sorry, verse number nine, seventeen, it says, "Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches." It doesn't say command them to be rich to give up everything it has. No, it just says don't trust in riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. God gives us the things to enjoy. He gives us the things in this world. He's the one that buried all of the the precious metal and stones for us to excavate and use and enjoy. In verse number 18, it says, Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. There is this thing of asceticism that says, no, you can't do that and be spiritual. You can't even touch money. There was an old minister in a Baptist church who said, I don't even physically touch money because it's so dirty. Uh, we, I told this before, Mother Teresa, uh, you know, she did some fantastic work with, with people in community and so on. But she was given a building. <laughs> Come on now. How many of we need that as well? Come on, we praise God in this place. She was given a building. Um, and when she came in, she ripped up the carpets, uh, took out the pipes for the hot water because they said, we don't need carpets. We don't need hot water. We just, and, and then she carried on. They sat on the floor, washed their clothes in cold water because of asceticism, thinking that we need to be poor and broke in order to be spiritual. 
That's the wrong idea with money. That's the wrong relationship with money. That's swinging one way to the left, too far to the left. And the thing is about life, life is like a pendulum. We sometimes swing too far to the left, too far to the right. Too far to the left is asceticism. Too far to the right is materialism. Materialism is the other side of the coin. And it is just the obsession with things. That everything has to be a thing. You have to have things in your life in order to be happy. Uh, Jesus said it's not in the abundance of things that you have, but there's so many things. I have to have this. I have to have that. And our scripture talks about people who desire to be rich and it's the desire to have things. And the reason why you pierce yourself with so many sorrows is because that desire never ends. The desire never ends because when you get what you want, you won't want when you get. And all the time you're chasing and chasing and chasing. It is insatiable. It cannot be quenched. And it's not just people that have money that's materialistic. You know you can be broke and be bound by materialism as well. Have no money in a bank, but all you think about is just things. All you think about is just when I win that lottery, when I play, when I, my numbers just hit. You're praying, God, when my numbers hit, I promise I'll come to church and sign a check for 10,000 pounds. I promise I'll do that. Please, you're so materialistic. As soon as you win that, nobody will see you. It is a heart issue and it's the relationship towards money. And we see materialism all throughout scripture. It fills our scripture. We know Achan brought death to his family and to himself in Joshua chapter 7 when he decided to say, I'm going to take what what belonged to Jericho. I'm going to take it for myself. He died. His family died. No more destiny because he wanted that thing. We see the prophet Balaam was willing to curse the children of Israel for payment in Numbers 22. We see he saw a payment says, I'm going to try and fight against the children of Israel. We saw Delilah betrayed her man for a fee. In Judges 16, we see Gehazi was inflicted with leprosy because he wanted the money and the clothes in 2 Kings and 5. And the list goes on. And this list can't be concluded without including Judas who sold our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. He saw the 30 pieces of silver and said, I want that so bad. I'm willing to trade in the only saviour of the universe. I'll trade it in for 30 pieces of silver. The list can go on and on and on as we look through uh, uh, scripture. Materialism, materialism is there, it is breathing, it is alive. And this world is full of uh, materialism. And sometimes we can look around and see the society we live in and think that we will not be justified until we have a certain thing or if we live in a certain area or if we drive a certain vehicle. Um, How many know we need to be freed from that? Come on now. That is a bondage that causes people to be broke. Uh, The average family um, in America, they said the average, this was a couple of years ago, it's a lot higher now, but the average family in America, um, this is average. So really, really poor and really, really rich. So they brought it all down. The average family uh, earns around, you know, $19,000. This is a long time ago. The study was done. $19,000. But they spend $22,000. How is that possible? This is the day and age we live in that we make this income and live on this income. And that's a normal way of life. All you've got to do is go to any shop. I guarantee you they've got a payment plan. (laughs) Payment plan. Come on. Buy now and pay later. 
And they make it so easy, so simple. I remember when I saw, when I was growing up and I saw people driving new cars, like fresh, I was like, they must be millionaires. How on earth can they afford to drive that? Then I got older and I realized all you need to do is be able to sign your signature on a piece of paper. You have a payment plan for anything. I can go into Next, there's a clothing shop and and get some jeans and a few shirts and have a payment plan for that. I can put everything on payments. So now I'm earning, you know, just down here. But now I can live a life up here. The Bible says for a reason that uh, the uh, borrower is slave to the lender and is a bondage. And what brings us into that, but that's why the Bible says we pierce ourselves with many sorrows because it is a bondage. We're looking at things we want, we want, we want, and there's a payment plan, payment plan, to the point where now we're bound. And that's why people literally are committing suicide over money because they're so bound, they don't know where to go. They owe everybody. Everybody is their creditor. And now they don't know where to turn, how to look. They haven't got, as soon as their money comes in, it goes out to all the creditors and they've got nothing and they're bound because of this materialistic view that this society has built up. Listen, it's okay to save some money and drive a car that's not like two years old. You can drive a car five years old, it's okay. Seven years old, it's okay. Ten years, that's still okay. You can pull up, you know, sometimes uh, uh, I can pull up to, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, when I was driving my old car, we're going to get a new one. That one, one died on me. But listen, I'll, I'll drive up to a, a traffic light and I used to see, I used to go to work, uh, I remember driving up and there's a, a person that's probably earning half the amount that I earn that's driving a newer car than me. Now I've got a decision to make when I look out my window. I can say, man, I should be driving something better than him. Or I can say, hey, God bless you. I own this. Do you own that? Right, you've got a decision to make. And you've got to build up that kind of mentality to say, listen, I don't want to be bound to anyone or anything. I want to, if I'm going to be slave, I'm going to be slave to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Can you say amen in this place? Because he says that you can't serve two masters. You serve God or money. One of them you're going to love. One of them you're going to hate. It's a time we need to look at materialism and say, I don't want to be bound by that anymore. I want to master money because it is a terrible master. I want it to be mastered. You know when money tells you when to get up, tells you where to go, tells you when to go to sleep. <laughs> money tells you where to move. <laughs> Come on, money tells you, you can't, no, you can't live in that place. No, you can't do that. Listen, it is a horrible taskmaster. But when you take money and you use it, you say, I want you to do this. I want you to go here. I want you to bless this person. I want you to build this. Uh, listen, then you have a relationship with money that is healthy. I want to talk about mastering money as we close here. In our text, the Bible says in verse number six, it says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment. It's almost like a swear word in this generation. Contentment says that I'm happy and I can live with what I have right now. It doesn't say, listen, I, you know, I'm going to just stay here and I'm not, going to, I'm not going to aspire to anything else. It doesn't say that. No, it just says where I am right now, I'm cool. And I'm going to save up. I'm going to maybe go uh, better myself. I might go university, get a degree. I might get a better job. I'll do this. But right now, where I am, I'm all good. 
And there's a reason why we can do that. And another familiar portion of scripture, we always take the last part of it. We say it, we stick it on our fridge and so on. But I want to read Philippians 4 uh, verse 11 as we go back. Paul is saying, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. In other words, I know how to live like I haven't got anything. And I know how to abound. I know how to live when I'm on top of the moon, when my bank is overflowing. And everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And this is the the one we all recognize in verse number 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know we take that one and we say it and put it to everything else. But what Paul was saying is, listen, I can do all of that because Jesus Christ gives me the strength to push on and not be bound by my materialism, not be bound by what the society says I've got to be bound by. I can have the strength to go on and say, I know you're driving that 10,000 pound car. I'm driving a thousand pound car, but I'm okay. I can live with that because right now that's where I'm at. Maybe if I save, maybe if I continue on, then I'll drive a better car later. One, but right now I'm going to delay the gratification and just live on my means right now. And Jesus Christ gives us the strength to do that. Because on our own, we'll get sucked away with this generation. On our own, we'll get sucked away with the materialistic views and then we will become a slave to the lender. But as we go through and allow Jesus Christ to give us the strength, we can have a proper relationship with money. Now, money is an important subject that we should learn about. We should understand, uh, you know, because uh, not many people talk about it in, in settings. We don't talk about it in our schools. We don't talk about it in our, in our colleges and universities. We don't talk about it in church enough. But we use it all the time. And dare I say that the, the, the body of Christ has also fallen foul to this. You know, you see preachers on TV now. And uh, it's all about how they look. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm about, you know, looking nice, not all raggedy. And, you know, I keep myself and so on. Hopefully I try. Sometimes I keep myself groomed and stuff. But there's an, excess, there's an excessive view on how something looks or how somebody looks. There was a show um, called The Preachers of LA. This was like years ago. Uh, I don't know if they still remember. The Preachers of LA it was called. Uh, and it was all about how we can live, a, they called it a bling bling life and still be Christ. And their whole thing was about driving brand new cars, having all the jewelry, uh, having the chains, the gold chains, uh, having uh, uh, massive houses, and, and then somehow fitting the gospel of Jesus Christ in there, talking about, listen, if you serve Christ, your life can be like this. Some of the superheroes I read of in my Bible, like, had just the cloak on their back, and that was about it. Now, I'm not saying that's for everybody. Listen, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, sell everything you have and come follow me. Now, he hasn't said that to all of his believers, but can he say that to you? He hasn't said it. It's not for everybody. But you should have a heart that if he does say that, he's allowed to say that to you. And you'll say, okay, fine. If it's following you, Christ, I'll sell all I have and follow Many people will say, absolutely not. Get behind me, Satan, right? You hear that kind of nonsense. Come on now. Jesus doesn't say that to everybody, but he was proving a point to this man. He's saying, I should be able to say that to you. And you should have a heart that would say, God, I will follow you. If you want me to sell all I have, I'll sell all I have and follow you. 
This man had an issue with how he uh, or his relationship with money and Jesus Christ used that as an example. Tonight, I want you to focus on your relationship with money. Do you have a healthy relationship with money? Do you have a relationship where you are nice and fine as long as you have money in the bank, but if you don't, you're all of a sudden this miserable wreck. Nobody can talk to you. Don't this. Everything revolves around your bank balance. If it's in the black, yes, you're, 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 you're there. But if it's low, it's like, oh, dear God, does God even exist anymore? At the end, but before we finish, I'm going to pray because I believe that it is a spiritual hold on people in terms of mammon. I've seen people literally turn when it comes to talking about money. Sometimes we've got to say, listen, it's only money. Sometimes we've got to look at it like that. It's only money. We know the story of Tutankhamun, right? When he died, he says, I want everything, everything in my, everything, put all the gold, put everything inside of me. When he died, they dug up his grave. The stuff was still there. He went on. We're not going to be able to take it with us. So it's something we should use. We should be wise with it here. Yes, we shouldn't be silly and shouldn't, you know, we, we should save for our future, save for our investments, save for our retirements and so on. Yes, we should do that, get good jobs. Uh, I don't believe debt is good. Um, I think debt, all forms of debt, apart from maybe the house, all forms of debt I think is bad. We should be wise, but we should also not hold money in this high, high esteem that we have. It's only money. Jesus said, what will it profit a man? To gain the whole world and lose his soul. It's only money. Uh, there was a statistic, um, I didn't get it in time, but a statistic, what people would do for $1 million. A whole long list of people, things people would do just for money. Church, we need to be uh, set free from the bondage of mammon. We need to be set free. We need to live differently. We don't want to be bound by materialism. When I have a correct relationship with money, we want to master money because it is a terrible master. Serve God, love people and use money. Don't love money and use people. We want to pray for some few things. So let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes in this place. Money, master or mastered.